Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope. With your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, welcome everyone to our autumn show. We are pre-recording this program on what is going to be the first day of autumn. Uh, We have been on the air for a year and seven months, so I thank you all for uh, joining us. We are so honored and delighted that you are all joining us, and we have been so blessed to have a year filled with teachers who have had extraordinary information for us all to hear. I just returned from a personal vacation, and I and my husband watched a DVD on Joseph Campbell. I'm sure that many of you know Joseph Campbell and his life. And he was a person who read and read and read and read. And he said that he did that to receive information from the great books of life. He loved to be around other teachers. He loved to be around other authors who taught him the answers on how to live life and live the life of love. And so I turned to my husband and I told him that I knew that this was exactly how I wanted my life to be when I got older. I wanted to have a lot of time to read and read and read. And I wanted to have an opportunity to be filled with opportunities to listen to others So this show, my friends, is definitely worth listening to because this show is all about practical spirituality, daily spirituality with a dynamic teacher from New York City. And we are now going forward to understand that practical spirituality is things even such as paying your rent taking good care of yourself, and being self-sufficient and so much more. These are indeed important parts to your spiritual growth, just as important or perhaps even more important than meditating. Growth for most of us comes from living life fully. That's what Selena believes in, that's what I believe in, and that's what many supreme beings on the planet who are teaching this, they believe that the growth that we most of us comes from living life fully, not from avoiding life and going off into a cave to meditate all day. We're here to learn from each other. We're learning here. We're here to learn from each situation and every challenge that you have. You are here to learn to be fully present and aware of what is happening around you. And when you do this, it adds more clarity to your life harmony to your soul, and light to all that you do. Spiritual growth is learning to make your life work in every area of your life, from your relationships to your career. As you put your spiritual light into everything that you do, and that's what um, dearest Selena is going to talk about, bringing awareness to your life and love to all of your activities, and you turn every experience into an opportunity for growth, you are going to be in your higher self. I call it divining the body. 
This teacher will be talking about how to begin to turn everything that you do into an opportunity for your growth, for your growth, for your growth. Even everyday activities such as washing dishes, driving to work, or other routine things, all of this can provide you, can provide me, can provide us with an opportunity to have your personality come increasingly under the influence of your higher self. I'm going to just repeat that again because that's one of my favorite lines. So this practical spirituality that Selena will be sharing with us is how you turn everything that you do into an opportunity to grow spiritually. Everyday activities, every day. And what this can provide for us is an opportunity to have your personality come increasingly under the influence of your higher self. So let me just begin to tell you just a bit about Miss Selena Matreya, about this extraordinary teacher who is calling into our program today from New York, New York. Selena Matreya was and is a highly regarded worldwide. She is a published author of two best-selling books and a global lecture. Selena has, for the past 30-plus years, guided creatives, I love that word that she used, guided creatives, to form deeper vision and refine their inner spirit. Prior to and concurrent to her coaching career for the last 30-plus years as well, Selena has been a spiritual student studying many philosophies and spiritual practices. She is drawn, though, to a simple yet powerful idea that we are all one and that our natural inheritance is love and that our actions affect not only us but every single energy entity. Selena began to live her life as her practice. This is the reason why we call this program tonight Practical Spirituality the practicality of living love. She became committed to responding from one of many faces of love to life's many challenges, gifts, and experiences. Selena began to live what she calls now practical spirituality. Selena realizes that regardless of external circumstances, she is able to respond to life through one of the many faces of love, which is kindness and gratitude, grace, compassion, wisdom, and tolerance. She has created a life that is peaceful and abundant. She also has created a life, and we can all create a life, in any of our relationships that become richer and more meaningful. So, just as Joseph Campbell and just as I say, This is worth listening to. So please remember the words that are going on and on, that these are rich and powerful. So, Selena, hello, my friend. How are you this evening? Well, thank you, Janice. I am very well, Mother Hope. I am very well and very honored to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us all the way from New York. And I know that I had a bit of a mix-up with this recording. So, you know, I know that you're a very busy woman. So I thank you for honoring me and, and we're able to do that this evening. And I just think that the divine 
wanted us to do this on Monday, September 22nd, (laughs) (laughs) because of the autumn equinox. Actually, perfect time to perfect perfect time to be discussing this very very important topic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the first thing that I wanted to ask you, Selena, because I think that when I talk to my clients about <clears throat> you, and you've done some classes uh, for the Hope Interfaith Center through Skype, is can you tell our audience how you received your beautiful name, Selena Matreya? Well, yes, I can. I'm 59 years old, and when I was 16. I um, I met a woman in New Orleans through a man that I uh, was very interested in romantically, and she was actually a woman that he was involved with romantically, and she became my first spiritual teacher, and her name was Venetia Matreya, and after studying with her, she kind of bequeathed the name Selena Maitreya to me. My birth name um, was and is Karen Linda Mellis. And at that point, uh, because I was 16, I didn't feel very comfortable um, taking on the last name of anybody else, but I felt very called to take on the name Selena. So I immediately brought the name Selena um, into my world, and um, then I proceeded to marry two different men over the next, I guess, I guess 25, 30 years, and my name changed. And when I got divorced from my second husband about 14 years ago, uh, he requested that I uh, leave my married name behind. Hmm. And it occurred to me at that point that the name I was given when I was 16 years old, the Maitreya, was indeed the name I was to take because I had been reintroduced um, shortly before that to Maitreya's beliefs, and they had had a second profound effect on me. And so about 14 years ago, after taking on the name Selena when I was 16, I took on the name Maitreya, which, quite frankly, Hope felt like a very big name to take on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bet it did. So um, I know this is an interesting question because I do believe that many of us are kind of overshadowed by guides and mm-hmm. masters. And So do you think that you're overshadowed by Maitreya, Maitreya when you do your work at all, or...? Um, I think I've been overshadowed by Maitreya since I came into this life stream. And um, I believe that it's um, not just when I do the work, but I my connection is a total 24-7 connection to the, uh, to the oneness. And, um, you know, I don't presume to know how the masters are identified or... Um, or structured in in the world where they exist, but I do believe that the um, energy of the masters, including the master Maitreya, is um, where I reside twenty four seven. Yeah, that's what Patricia Cotarobo says. That she's, you know, I'm. You've heard of her, and I've had you listen to the blog talk that I did with Patricia. And, you know, Patricia says the same thing as she says, no, Janice, no hope. This is not channeling. Um, and I loved it that she says, you don't quite get it yet. This is our natural inheritance. Right. Um, we can get to the point where we are always connected. Yes. So that's what you're yeah. saying for you. Mm-hmm. I am. I, I I really um I feel very comfortable there because I know it to be true for me, um, that 
it, you know, I've I've had students say to me, well, well, what does that feel like, Selena? You know, are there times? You, does that mean you don't get irritated or you don't get aggravated? Or, and that's not the case. You know, I'm in a human form. But what it means for me is that when I do experience irritation, when I do experience um, disharmony in my life stream, I'm immediately aware of it, and it becomes an opportunity for me to shift back to equanimity. And so I'm always going back and forth. I see it, I experience it, I let it go. And and I I have an immediate correction, if you will, um, so that as I witness, I correct where in my progress as a student, you know, that witnessing wasn't there years ago and many years ago, and, and the correction wasn't there. But as I've progressed, it now is an experience where where I, I experience and and I witness, and when a correction is needed, it, it happens as I witness. Hmm, hmm. Well, when you received the name, Selena, when you were very, very young, did you feel like you had an inkling or a knowing that you would be a spiritual teacher someday? Well, you know, I didn't. I did. I was. Um, I was. I had just been introduced when I was 14 years old. Um, I really was not very happy as as a human being, and I was searching, 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 and I got introduced to the Egyptian Book of the Dead, to Aleister Crowley, to Madame Blavatsky. Uh, spent a lot of time with the Secret Doctrine. Was reading Israel Regardi. Um, just like everything I could scarf up when I was 14. And when I was 16, I actually actually came to New York City and went to NYU. And there was a bookstore in New York called Weiser's Bookstore, which um, was on Broadway, and really was the, um, they were the publishers of, um, the, the largest distributor, rather, of occult books in the United States. And so I spent a great deal of time there. So I was very deeply ensconced in learning about spirituality, you know, just, but but still in the early days of being deeply uh, connected to it. So gosh, the idea of being a spiritual teacher never occurred to me at 16, but I was deeply, deeply interested in learning absolutely everything I could at that point. Hmm. So... Um, I always ask all of my callers um, and people who interview, I interview, is that if you could tell our audience, you know, kind of how you took this personal path or why you took this personal path, especially the path that you're really on right now where you talk about making your life your practice. Can you tell us a little bit what that looks like for you? Well, it's actually been quite... um it, it's had its own trajectory. I think it really has, and I'm very grateful for that. When I was young, I uh, studied on my own, and I read everything I could. When I was in my early 20s, <coughs> excuse me, I was married to my rock and roll husband, and my spirituality uh, took a sidestep due to um, I opted for sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It <laughs> <That> was <laughs> quite a lot of fun for a couple of years. And then um, it, when I was 28, um, I really um, I went through a life experience where my husband left me. The career I had been working towards fell apart all within three days. My my marriage and my career fell apart in three days when I was 28 years old. And I was deeply ensconced in doing drugs, and it became very abundantly clear to me that I had to uh, – I was totally out of integrity with myself – and so I just decided then and there to shift my life. And 
um, went into therapy, um, developed a relationship with you as a spiritual teacher, um, really started to work very hard. Actually, I think our relationship started a few years later, but worked very hard um, and went back to spirituality as an active piece of my life, not just something I was reading about. Um, I went through therapy for 15 years, um, worked on my spirituality quite extensively. My second marriage started to fall apart in my 40s, and that, my late 30s actually, um, that was a critical time for me. Um, During that time, Spirit actually came through me and told me I was to be a teacher. Uh, This would have been about 14, 15 years ago now, And I was um, deeply committed to my consulting career. I was the first consultant in the country in this field. I'd written a book, doing a lot of lecturing, and I was about to take on the financial responsibility for the majority of it for my two boys. And there was no way I could cancel my career and move over to be a teacher. So Spirit told me, okay, so you, you know, you can, you obviously have free will. You can make your choice. Um, and in this discussion, if you will, with Spirit, I asked them, what am I to teach? And, and they were very clear. They said, well, you have really made your life your practice. You have taken spiritual beliefs and you have moved them into your world. And that's what you're to teach people. You're to teach people how to walk in the values, in the integrity, rather, of the values that they say they hold dear because that's what you've done. So if you choose not to be a teacher, you'll continue to move forward in the way that you have, and we will present opportunities to you to teach without you being, without you shifting your complete um, life direction. So that's what happened. I continued to be a consultant, but I started to bring in and started with almost hope as if I came out of the spiritual closet. I really felt that way. I had never talked about my spirituality to um, my ex-husband. I had never talked to my friends about it. It was at that po- up to that point a very private uh, piece of who I was, um, very precious and very private. So I realized now it was to be private no more, and I wasn't to um, preach but I was to bring all of who I already was into my daily life. And it was very clear, of course, when one goes through a divorce, that it's a wonderful opportunity to practice the beliefs you have around love and bringing love into all aspects of your life. And so I decided that as I moved through the divorce with my husband, who, and my husband was having great difficulty with this, although we had come to this point together, his position in life was to be a victim. And so that was what he presented and what he was going through, and that created difficulties. So I decided that at that point I was going to make my practice with him that of kindness. And mm-hmm. if I couldn't, I would try the best I could to work from the face of love in kindness with him, And when I couldn't be kind to him, I'd be kind to me because I couldn't be kind to him. And then I'd always be in kindness. And so I moved forward from there, um, just bringing my practices into my life, sharing who I was, telling my friends, um, bringing beliefs as appropriate into my consulting, 
Uh, my second book was a holistic book on how to succeed in photography. I broke um, the chapters down into vision, value, team, tools, persistence, and faith. So even the book I wrote, the, I noticed that the lectures I was doing were all spiritually based, but they were for photographers. So mm-hmm. it's almost as if spirit had its own agenda. They wanted me to teach, and if I couldn't teach directly or I chose not to, they were going to bring that through me. And um, then last, then then about two years ago, it's it suddenly became a passion for me. It became all of all of this teaching. Um, how do I express it? It it built up into a place inside of me where suddenly all I wanted to do was teach. I didn't ever have the issue as some people do where they hated what they did. I loved and I still do love working with artists, but I wanted to teach so much more, but I couldn't find a path. My business was so busy, my responsibilities to my children so great. I couldn't see a way. I didn't know how to transition hope from being a consultant to a teacher. And then last year, Spirit um, gave me quite a wonderful, um, they, they laid out the path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I think that that might be really interesting to our guests that are listening tonight as well. Sure. Um, I... As I had said, I had taken on about 14 years ago the majority of financial responsibility for my boys, which meant I bought the house from their father. I worked very hard to um, keep things going, and it was quite expensive. So I, I made the choice. I made the conscious choice of, of my boys being my priority, keeping them in their home through, co- through high school, the priority. And because of that, I really didn't have any savings. So I, um, there, I discovered about uh, it felt right about um, a year and a half ago, two years ago, two years ago now, it felt right suddenly to sell my house. You know, it, it, my boys were, um, I had met my agenda. My, I had one boy who was five years post high school and another one who was in college, two years into college. And I thought, oh, I'm supposed to be selling my house now. And so I made plans to sell my house. Um, it was a large house. I'd been there for 20 years. Uh, I took six months to pack it up, you know, it takes a while, throw things out, give things away. I put my house on the market uh, June of 2013. It sold in one day at the top of the price structure in my area. And I was looking to move to New York. I thought that would be the place to go. I had lectured uh, in New York several times a year for several years. My boys both were moving in with their girlfriends. So we were planning to move, and the house had been sold, and um, the week that I actually cleaned out the house for the last time, on a Friday, I put all of my things in a pod, one of these movable storage units, sent it to New York, then, and moved that night to a local hotel. On Saturday, I was going to clean my house. Sunday, there was a walkthrough, and Monday, we were closing. And I was just going to get in my car for the first time in a year and a half and have a vacation. I was exhausted. I had just packed up my house. I didn't know what my life was going to look like. I didn't even know where I was going to live in New York. I was waiting on two apartments. So I thought, I'll hop in my car. I'll go see friends in Vermont and Maine for two weeks. You know, I'll close my house. I'll have a little bit of money for the first time in years, literally the first time in years. 
and then I'll see where I'm supposed to be in New York. And um, when I get the approval, I'll go to New York and I'll start my new life. I mean, literally, my new life for the first time. I'd lived in Massachusetts for 40 years. And so on Saturday morning, I woke up at the hotel. I got my car. I had an Audi convertible, beautiful car I had for a year. And I um, took a beautiful drive through the country, was going to my house, came to a traffic light that I had been through thousands of times in 20 years. And as I came onto Route 2 um, on a green light, I heard what sounded like a train to my left. And the next thing I know, the car was flooded with light. And my last conscious thought was, I'm dying. This is what happens when you die. And uh, I don't know how many moments later, I um, then nothing. I went to complete non-existence. And um, a few moments later, I came back into my body, and I saw a pole in front of me, and I heard the words very calmly, steer to the right. So I did. I calmly, didn't know anything was happening, steered to the right, avoided the pole, and my car stopped. And the long and the short of it was a woman ran a red light and hit me dead on in the driver door. I guess I got T-boned is what they call it. She was driving 70 miles an hour. According to the witnesses, she spun my car around, dragged me to a light pole that the state trooper told me if I had hit, I would have died because my car had been compromised. And it turns out I missed the pole by three inches. Wow. So I, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty radical. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taken to the hospital. I was released in six hours. I didn't have a scratch. I didn't have a broken bone. I thought I cheated death. I went to the house closing. I, I was shaken up. I didn't clean my house. Somebody else did that for me. I went to the closing. I could barely drive. And in the next couple of days, I got worse. Um, what happened was that I it was discovered that I was knocked out on impact. I had no memory of the event. I still don't. I didn't know I had been spun around. I didn't know I had been hit. Um, I was left with a severe brain injury, which um, it's been over a year now. Uh, It left me unable to, when I moved to New York, unable to get on public transportation. I couldn't go to restaurants. Um, It was about six or seven months until I could really interact with the public, although I was living in New York. But the most miraculous piece is that the entire time this happened, I knew I was going through the biggest event of my life. I never worried. I never had fear. I had no place to live. I had no car. I had no home. I had no understanding of when I was going to make money again. I had no understanding, nor did my doctors, as to whether my brain would ever heal again whether I could write, whether I could lecture, but I never had any fear. And so here I am um, a year and two months later, and I've recovered 75% of my brain power, but I am completely shifted. I've been energetically restructured, and um, in many ways paths have been laid out by the universe financially and otherwise for me to move on in my life, even though I am not able to work the way I did as a consultant before. And I have been downloaded continuously with information from spirit that has become the the essence uh, and the content for practical spirituality. 
and the work that is on my website and the work that is what I am to teach. So I I have been given in all of these months the uh, very body of work that I had begged for from Spirit, and they have given me, they took me out of my life. They completely plucked me out of my life and um, made arrangements for me to continue to live as they downloaded and shifted me. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I When you were talking about deciding to sell your house, packing your bags, going to New York. You know, I'm a Brene Brown fan, and she has this book, Daring Greatly, to to just daring greatly. And, boy, that just sounds like you were on that path of daring greatly. So the other question I wanted to ask to, to help our audience understand is that I know when I teach people, I'm always trying to help them to what I call divine the body or divining the body so that the higher self is no longer on the outside of ourselves but activated on the inside of each cell. Is that what you think happens when you make your life practice, your spiritual practice? Um, Absolutely. It can't not. Um, I really believe that we're, as many of us do, I know you do and many of us listening to your show today, we are energy and form. Right, so the form part of the world is is hugely important. I liken um, developing our spiritual integrity to a muscle. You know, we have muscles in our body, and we know that they're there. We don't have to see them to know that they're there. We use them, and we take we we take on faith the fact that they're there. However, when we want to develop them, we go to the gym and we we work with a trainer, and the trainer will give us a practice like pick up a pick up a free weight, and if you want to build your biceps, and you utilize what do you do? You utilize that free weight several times, maybe fifteen times, three reps, four times a week over two months, and you are going to see that muscle really build in your arm. You're going to see it. Well, when we make our life our practice, which sounds simple and it's not to do, which means we are responding to every relationship, every situation, every event, and every incident very specifically from one of the many manifestations of love, which may look like patience, like kindness, like gratitude, compassion, wisdom, tolerance, which means when we're on the road and we're in a traffic jam, instead of really getting impatient and worried, we look and say, okay, this event is happening. What face of love am I being given the opportunity to practice? And then we Mm. take that face of love and we practice it. When somebody cuts you off online, you know, you're waiting in the uh, grocery store, and you really have to get somewhere. And you're in the eight eight items or less aisle, and you've got two items, and the person in front of you has a shopping basket full. And you <laughs> find yourself ready to just get impatient. It's It's taking situations small and large and mm-hmm. saying instead of being stuck in the situation and having the situation be a destination – the situation or our emotional response to any situation is an alarm clock. It's an alarm clock that reminds us 
What face of love shall I respond to? And then doing it. So that becomes that becomes the free weight and the bicep. So the bicep is the situation and the free weight is the face of love. So when you choose to actively respond to each situation in your life that creates an emotional response, whether it be very happy, because sometimes we can be over the top in our happiness, and there's there's a face of love to look at. So happiness is a transitory state, but going to a face of love like gratitude grounds us, and it's still an opportunity to shift who we are. So if we use our daily life not as a destination, but as an opportunity to remember who we truly are and to go to that face of love and bring that into our physical life, then we're living our practice. We're not just talking about it and then going off and gossiping or reading People magazine or looking at real lives of the housewives of whomever, you know? <laughs> so how can that not how can that not change us because we're being it? And that's why I believe we're truly here is to do mm-hmm. this work. Mhm. Yes, you you and I have had conversations before about, you know, literally even I have gone to workshops cuz I'm always interested in how is this teacher teaching, you know, and how is this teaching. And, you know, you can go to these workshops where they activate your spiritual DNA. And then everybody believes that they have active spiritual DNA, which is di- different than our genetic encodement. And just as you said, they go out and they might gossip or they might lie or they might cheat. And so for me as a spiritual seeker and a listener, I was always confused about that, how you could kind of go to a seminar and have your spiritual DNA turned on. And yet when they were out and about within our beloved Gaia planet Earth, it was like, what happened to that activation that happened? So, so, so what well, you're talking about is that the act of spi- daily spiritual practice that it does somehow release old programs of behaviors and that doesn't serve us anymore, and that it begins to awaken the spiritual DNA. Is that correct? That's what you're talking yes, about? Yes, I think you summed it up beautifully when you did an introduction to the show, and I don't remember the exact words, and I'm going to have to, I made a note to myself to really you know, go back and listen specifically to what you said about how this work actually, what were the, what were the words you used, Hope, about your personality being um, overshadowed by your spiritual um yes it said um it was about how every example or opportunity gives your personality an opportunity to become increasingly yes. under the influence of yes. bingo, your divine bingo spirit. bingo how and yep. once again how can it not because what we do is what we are in the world of physicality not yes. what we say and this is the difference People can have all the intentions in the world, but if they don't follow those intentions with actions that reflect their intentions, and where do we have our actions be, where do we have more opportunity to be our, to take actions that represent the integrity of our beliefs, but in our daily life? That's what it's, that's what it's there for. 
So as we choose to take what we know out of just, as you said, the workshop situation, and we bring it into the daily life, because it's interesting. I have a lot of people who come to me and say, you know, I, I, I went to a Jane Houston workshop, or, you know, I've, I've read Pema Chodron, but I realize I'm out of alignment in my life. I, yes. I, once, and once I come away from the book, it's a beautiful book, but I don't know how to make it real. Or I go to the workshop and I'm so pumped, but then I come home and I don't know what to do. And so that's, that's so reflective, I believe, of what you're saying here because we, we have this opportunity, you see, that costs us nothing. We don't have to buy a book. We don't have to go to a workshop. We've got all of these challenges. The, the world is so chaotic, our local world and our global world. And so if we are, truly believe in the oneness and we truly are centered in the fact that everything that we do has a reflection on every level, you know, from, from from our local level on out beyond any worlds we could ever imagine, and we have all these opportunities to respond in our world from a different face of love, why would we not? So mm-hmm. it's a lot of work, though. It's a tremendous amount of work. We need to have our attention on the fact of how we be in the world. We have to have radical honesty with ourselves, we have to be able to learn over time how to witness as we be, and then we have to choose one of the faces of love. So there are many steps to this, and it is extremely possible, and each step of the way we we shift energetically as we just make the decision to learn about this. We shift energetically as we make the decision to move in this direction. And then, of course, we continue to shift energetically as we choose in each opportunity and every moment to make our life our practice. And you know that as as we make these decisions and we change energetically, we not only experience it small steps at a time, but we, after many small steps, we feel radical shifts. Certain people that used to drive us crazy don't affect us anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, lots of things happen. The people around us start to shift without us having to say a thing to them because we're all part of the oneness. So it's big work. It's accessible work. It's step-by-step easy work. And it's really utilizing daily life as our practice. And because because it it really is about daily life, I think some people very often... Um, say, well, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, I get that. You know, Yes, that makes sense to me. I get that. But then they don't move forward in making the choice. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. move forward and make, because it just seems kind of like, well, that's a no-brainer. Uh, and they don't always move forward in understanding that it's a really profound piece of work to do. And it's very accessible at the same time. That's what I love about um, your teachings and this topic because you know when sometimes it's very hard for my audience to listen to or even my clients to listen to is that you know this favorite saying that many spiritual teachers say to people is that experiences don't happen to you experiences like that happen for you mm-hmm. and they happen for you to learn from and to grow from. The other thing is that many, many people 
I'm going to say believe, for me I say I know, that we are such creators, that we ourselves created the experience for our soul to learn from. And that's why I think that those experiences don't happen to us. We kind of set it up before we even came here. Like, who knows better than I do what I needed to learn when I incarnated here this time. And so I set up these experiences for me to learn from. And so for me also, my whole life, I guess the biggest workshop I've ever went to and the best workshop I've ever attended is my own personal life yeah. um, because I've learned so much from it. So, um, And, you know, and I, 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 agree, I agree totally, and I feel that if when one takes that perspective that you've created these, we all create these opportunities for our for. for for our soul to grow in this particular incarnation, then there's no victimhood because these are opportunities for us to not learn intellectually but learn on an experiential level. And what is that experience? It's the experience of responding from one of the faces of love because that's our nature, that's our inheritance, right? And so... As we respond from love for ourselves as well as for others, because people often say, "Well, does that mean that you know the the patience is for somebody else or the compassion is for somebody else we 're all in the oneness, so as we have compassion for someone else, we have compassion for ourselves, and often what we find is people who can 't have compassion for other people are incredibly judgmental of themselves, so this work is really very freeing. It's very complete in the totality that it's not about us or, you know, me or another person. It's for all of us. So as I learn, the benefit of this knowledge is not just my life stream, but the life stream of those immediately affected and the life stream of all of those that I'll never see. So it's very liberating when we when we understand that we have choice. We have tremendous choice. What is that phrase hope that I love by Viktor Frankl, who was the the Nobel Prize winner who had been a uh, Auschwitz uh, victim, I believe, and who who has many beautiful quotes. One of which I believe, and I hope I can do this somewhat close to what he said, is even in the most extreme situations. Man has choice, even if the choice. Oh, how does that go? Hope I'm 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 losing, and I'm sorry. It's part of what I'm not able to recover these days. It's something about even in the most extreme circumstances, we always have choice to choose how we be. That's what it is. We yes, always how we have choice be. to choose how we be, even in the most extreme circumstances. So you can't take away a person's choice as to how they be in any circumstance. So we all have that choice. And I believe that these opportunities come up small ways, great ways, for us to use that choice. And so many of us don't use that choice, don't choose to respond to love and get stuck in the distraction of emotions. I think emotions are a very big distraction. I think thoughts 
can sometimes be a distraction. But if we learn to use emotions as an alarm clock that remind us to respond from a face of love, we have dark or negative thoughts or thoughts that don't serve as an alarm clock, then we can choose to respond from love, which shifts us back into our natural inheritance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of his other lines that I loved was when he said he began to become a person who wouldn't push away his problems. And he said when a problem approached him, he'd say, come on, problem, I've been looking for you all my life. And he said that, and he said he would always open up his heart, open up his hands when a problem did arise, and he wouldn't complain about it, you know, and just think of his lifetime. He he just, come on, problem, I've been looking for, for you all of my life, and I've been looking for you because I know that I create this so I can learn, so I can evolve, so I can become the truth of who I am. And he would always say, and who am I? I am love. I am love. Remarkable. I am love. Yeah, yeah, remarkable. remarkable. Exactly. That's a, that's a man who made his life his practice. I mean, yes. continuously, continuously. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, what type of meditations do you do in your everyday practical life for your daily practice? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I have um, I have different meditations I do at different times. I I go to a deep quiet. Um, every day for at least an hour. Um, and this is, I find this remarkable. This is what I needed when I was first um, recovering from my head injury. It was several hours a day. Um, and now I still um, take an hour. After being awake for about six or seven hours, I go into just quiet and silence. Um, I also use several uh, Kabbalistic meditations that I've kind of... Um, reworked in a certain way, Kabbalistic meditations that were created by Rabbi David Cooper that you introduced me to actually many years ago um, that I've taken into my practice. I listen to the Vortex meditations, which I find incredibly helpful by uh, Mm -hmm. Esther Hicks. Um, I'm absolutely very deeply rooted in those. But I think the greatest meditation really is, for me, um, is utilizing my daily life because I find that when I experience my life as more than just the individual events, my life as a practice really becomes my practice. This isn't just a branding statement or or um, or a positioning for a teaching. It's truly how I lead my life. So my daily life, my interchanges, my exchanges become my practice because that's what I work with. That's what I actively am working with all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a short meditation or anything you'd like to share with the guests? I know that sometimes that feels a little bit on the spot, um, but I've been watching Oprah's soul <laughs> You know, Super Soul Sunday, and every once in a while she'll say to her guests, do you have a meditation that you're willing to share with the audience that might help them feel like the changes in their DNA or or a commitment to experience love? 
their life um, through actually, love? Actually, I do. I, I definitely do. It's actually um, a variation of what uh, Rabbi David Cooper calls the Ishtavut, which is a Kabbalistic meditation. The words Ishtavut means making things equal. And what I love about this is making our life our practice. When we have an emotional response and we respond from love, we are energetically making things equal. Because when we have an emotional response, we're out of alignment usually with our energy of love. And when we respond, when we use that emotional experience as that alarm clock to say to remind us to respond from love we are making things equal so would you like me to take you through that now absolutely we would love it all right so what we're going to do is we're just going to wherever you are now just just relax your body begin to start to relax your body if you're seated feel your your seat your tushy and a seat, feel your spine straight, and begin to relax your neck, your shoulders. And as you begin to feel your body relax, let's take a deep cleansing breath where we breathe in quite deeply. Hold it for two and let it out. And now you're going to continue to just breathe normally if you would. Just continue to breathe normally in whatever way feels comfortable for you. And as you continue to breathe comfortably, I would invite you to remember a situation in the last one day, two day, maybe three days the most, a recent situation that gave you an emotional charge. Perhaps it was something as small as you stubbing your toe on a piece of furniture. Or perhaps a child when maybe your teenager said something to you that really just didn't feel comfortable. Maybe it was a situation with a beloved, a partner, where words were expressed and deep hurt was felt. Whatever that event was, take a few moments and not only think of that event, but visualize it, seeing the people involved, seeing where you were, and feeling in your body the feelings you had during this exchange that truly emotionally charged you. the feelings of this event in your body. 
and now with those feelings in your body. I invite you to imagine that you have new wisdom. You have new wisdom and new information about the situation, about the people involved in the situation. And you have new wisdom, the type that enables you to see the outcome of your response, your emotional response to this event. In addition to your new wisdom, I invite you to imagine that the other people involved in this event also had new wisdom. And I invite you to see the outcome that's the effect of the new wisdom that each person in this situation, including you, created. Your wisdom involved a face of love. In this situation, what face of love did you respond with? Was it patience? Was it kindness? Was it compassion? Was it tolerance? Was it understanding? Which face of love would have been the wisdom that you would have used to respond to this situation that would have created a completely different outcome. See that face of love now and see yourself responding to it. See the situation and the results after you have taken this face of love and responded to this event through its manifestation. And when you are ready, come back into your body and into the room. The Ishta root, making things equal, is a very, very powerful meditation that brings making your life, your practice, and practical spirituality into being. We can change the energy even after a situation is over, and this practice is one of the ways that we can do that. And that's why I hope I wanted to share it with everyone today, because if our behavior in the past hasn't been reflective of really truly who we are, we can go back, as you well know, and energetically change that. Mm-hmm. And when we change it, it changes us. Hmm. I I had felt a visceral feeling in my DNA because... I went back to something between I and my husband and what I brought 
forth is the face of compassion and the new level of understanding. What my husband brought back when I was visualizing this, he was compassionate towards me. And it's interesting, just as you say, even it can be something from a couple days ago or a week ago is that we can indeed change that scenario um, through bringing that up. So I I don't know if our guest did, but I would certainly hope that many of you who were doing this could literally feel somewhat of a visceral energy, especially around my heart chakra. I could feel that. So how lovely, how lovely, how lovely. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Um Would you... Would you like to tell our guests a little bit more about the type of work that you are offering now to students on your website or uh, one-to-one? What exactly is the type of work that you are offering to people right now, Selena? Sure. Um, I do work with students one-on-one. I My website is selenamatreya, M-A-I-T-R-E-Y-A.com. And you can uh, take a look at the film that talks about what I, uh, how I feel about teaching. Um, there, um, there's an opportunity for you to just simply email me. It's selena at selenamatreya.com, and I set up 20 to 30-minute no-fee um, Skype or phone conversations so we can see where you are on your path and, just, and have ask each other questions and get answers to see if the type of teaching I do is right for you. I also have a wonderful online teaching for people all over the world. Uh, It happens on Tuesday evenings. It's recorded, so you don't need to be live with us, though it's lovely when people can be, but we send recordings the next day. That's called Insights, and these are teachings that have been brought through me uh, by Spirit. Um, each I, I have blog posts on my site, and if you're interested in looking at the teachings um, Tuesday night meeting, that is um, under the uh, teaching section on my website. And I mention the blog posts because they, um, which are also on my site, are the topics of the teachings. And that is something that is priced less than a cup of coffee and a donut each week. Spirit was very clear on the fact that they wanted as many people as possible to hear their insights, um, and it's spelled I-N because it's there are sites within, um, and these are teachings for people that are available online. So selenamachaya.com, either for one-on-one teachings or online teachings um, from Spirit. I will let um, everyone know who is listening to this program that that will also be on our website at the Hope Interfaith Center, and that is www.hopeinterfaithcenter.com. And um, we will have all of Selena's information on there as well. And uh, um, the... Uh, you know, I don't even know if this is a necessary question. Maybe none of them were necessary, but but I I did wanted to ask you, Selena, that I know that one of our guests that I had on my program one time, uh, he did call himself an awakened one, and I asked him what that meant to him, and that I do. He's a young man, and I do believe he's also a person who makes his life still so dedicated, and he called himself an awakened one. Would you? consider yourself an awakened one upon the planet at this time? 
I would. And for me, awakened means that I am living in the natural inheritance of who I am, which is love, which means that my response is of love. And when I find in my humanity that my response is not of love, that becomes the lesson that I move forward with to, uh, as I witness that, I correct and I respond from a face of love for myself and for others that I was not able to initially respond from love. So I'm always responding and working with the energy of my natural inheritance. And for that reason, I feel that I am very uh, awakened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I myself know from working with my spiritual teacher, Christina Rose, you know, she always has told me that many, many, many people have come here from the higher dimensions and they have very highly evolved souls and that they have come to Earth, Gaia Mother Earth at this time to help humanity and to awaken and come forth. And so is, you know, do you have a mission statement or is that your mission doing your work? Well, it is because what you know what's important for me quite honestly isn't to say that I'm awakened or enlightened. What's important to me isn't a commitment to enlightenment. What's important to me is a commitment to the work to continually make my life, my practice. And if a byproduct of that is that I'm awakened or enlightened, well then that's lovely. But my commitment isn't to a destination. My commitment is to the ongoing work of responding to my life here on planet Earth in this life stream from a position of love and learning, continuing to um, soften the edges and perfect the stone, if you will, um, to move forward in this ongoing practice of responding to physical life from love because physical life is difficult. And I believe it's it provides these difficulties and these opportunities so that we can remember who we are. If we didn't have challenges and opportunities that we had to work with, we may not reflect and respond and perfect and bring out each time we respond from love. We are becoming more of that. How can we not? So my commitment is to the work. It's not any destination that I'm going to be reaching or have I love that. I love that. I love you. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, My friend, thank you. I admire the work that you're doing, not only as a dedicated student, but the work that you're doing as a spiritual teacher here upon the planet. I love you. I love you for taking the time with me tonight with all of my listeners and to my many listeners. I also thank them. So uh, it has just been a joy, um, a joy, Selena. I thank you so much. Oh, thank you, my dear. And thank you, everyone who's listening. And thank you, Hope, for all the wonderful work you do for all of us, my dear. I love you, too. Thank, oh, thank you. Thank you. And to you, my listeners, my listeners, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in tonight. And and the next thing, I just want you to sit and just have this sink in. That all of you, all of you, are very, very highly evolved souls. 
you have chosen to come to incarnate here upon Gaia Mother Earth. First of all, to just increase greater levels of mastery within our own souls and within your souls, and also to help humanity at this time. All of you, all of you who are listening, you have come here to show others how to express the divine in physical form and matter. And one of my favorite sayings was, and I think I heard this from Spirit a long time ago, just as you have studied the masters, and when I've studied the masters, they have taken my breath away. What I heard from Spirit one day was to say, now you, be the divine in physical form, and be the example of the divine in physical form. Now it's our turn to take other people's breath away by the actions of which we do. Trust, trust, trust that you are here right now because it is the best place for you. And trust, trust, trust that it's offering all of us the best opportunity to evolve, to grow, and to expand into our truth and to our divinity. Love your humanity as much as you love your divinity because these two now must become one. What you experience in your daily life, whether it's the challenges, the difficulties, the problems, relationships, or with the world at all, world at large, that these are the very things that we have come to learn from. So whatever you are going through right now, it offers you a rich and wonderful opportunity to grow into the master and to an awakened one of who you already are. Face it with the face of many of the faces, just as Selena has said, the many faces of love, forgiveness, compassion, patience, kindness, sharing, caring. As we become more the face of love upon the planet, it is true. I really believe it is true that our DNA changes and we do become the new human race which will have a body of light. It is our body of light that is able to vibrate at a higher and higher frequency and radiate light. Our children and our grandchildren will bring a transformation of consciousness beyond anything that we can even begin to imagine. So what we struggle with now, so intently with, is indeed an opportunity to be more loving, to believe in yourself, to forgive, to have compassion, to release pain and negativity forever as we become the light bodies upon this planet. With these greater and greater levels of mastery, we will bring peace upon the earth. We will have um, goodwill for all. I love the word forgiveness because I just heard from a spiritual teacher just this last weekend Um, forgiveness is like a diuretic. And I thought, huh? And she goes, forgiveness is like a diuretic. It's letting go of emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical pain. It's a gift that we give to ourselves. And so I asked my guides before every program to help me with this interview, to help transfer energy through both of our voices, Selena Matreas and to mine, once again, I would not be able to do this without Judy, without Jody Schultz and with Tom. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. 
so that we all now can make this quantum leap into a higher level of consciousness. I know you are here on a path of accelerated spiritual growth and have much to contribute to humanity. You are all teachers. Some of you are healers, leaders, um, businessmen, businesswomen, whether you are aware of it or not. May you go now from this program to create miracles by being the light, by being the face of love. Instead of working to become it, just allow yourself to be it. May you all have a DNA exchange here and just by listening to this program and being committed to make your life a spiritual practice. So if indeed you have heard this program, found a gem someplace within it, I always ask from the bottom of my heart to your heart, just pass it on. Pass it on. If you've really felt like you've received a gem, whether it was a simple statement or a word or whatever Selena Matreya has said, um, just pass it on. And this can help us continue with the personal mission of the Blog Talk radio show, which is through communication and through listening. We are dedicated to creating portals for others to come through if they wish to live more fully, to love more deeply, and to create more joy. So until we meet again, until next month, I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful beginning to fall. May you have a wonderful month. Namaste, namaste, namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Rev. Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.